like to invite you to uh, join me in your copy of God's Word in the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. And we're going to be reading verses 10 through 31. And if you are physically able, would you please stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10. A wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with dignity and strength. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful book of wisdom you've given us called the Proverbs and Lord, we pray that uh, today, as, as we examine this passage from Proverbs 31, that we will learn more about how to be wise, how to pass on wisdom, how to live out wisdom in our lives. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I have a feeling... That a great many of you, before we even started reading the text, when I said Proverbs 31, you knew what was coming. You've heard of this passage. You have some semblance of it. And then especially when we uh, started reading it, you were reminded of it. You'd heard it before, many of you. Because we, it's a familiar passage. It's one that's often uh, preached and taught in Christian life. Now, what do people associate with Proverbs 31? What first comes to mind when you think of um, this chapter? We didn't read all of the chapter, but we read a good chunk of it. What what do you associate 
Well, immediately, most people's minds goes to that Proverbs 31 woman. That Proverbs 31 woman we think about. And in fact, uh, it's often associated with Mother's Day sermons. I know some of y'all were like, why are we reading this? This isn't May. What are you doing, preacher? You're confused. You know, why are you preaching this now? Uh, sometimes it's uh, messages on how to be a, a good wife or, or, or you know, uh, us praising moms for being good women. And uh, sometimes this passage is used at funerals. Um, many times as I've heard it used in funerals. I've used it myself, uh, describing a dearly departed saint and how her family feels about her and her life. And um, Proverbs 31 even can be sometimes have some negative associations, especially for some women who can feel like this old Proverbs 31 woman is an intimidating standard that kind of leaves them feeling overwhelmed and discouraged if they try to live, live up to this. Now, the interesting thing about all of these associations is that none of them are the original intent of this passage. I'm not saying they're all invalid, but none of them are the original intent of this passage. This passage is a mother teaching his son, her son, how important it is to choose the right wife. That is what this original passage is about. When you look at Proverbs 31.1, you'll see that it says this, the sayings of King Lemuel an inspired utterance his mother taught him. So Proverbs 31 is about this guy named Lemuel, and basically we know that there are several different authors of the Proverbs um, in, um, in the book of Proverbs, and he's just the, happens to be the last one, and it's uh, stuff that his mama taught him, okay? And if you go through those first nine verses, uh, it's some very good general advice for a king. He talks about, hey, don't, she, she tells him, don't spend all your time chasing women, and uh, don't spend your time in the bottle, you know, so that's, that's not a good thing for kings to get wrapped up in, uh, the, you know, all this stuff of the drinking and getting caught up in the carrying around. And then finally, uh, she, just, she urges him and says, hey, you need to uh, make sure that you stick up for the little people. You need to make sure that you ensure justice. Okay, and so that's those first nine verses, what they're all about. And then we come to this final passage here, Proverbs 31, 10 to 31, that we read. And she, there is this poem here. Now, we can't tell that in English. This is why it's really good to have a good study Bible that can tell you this, because they just can't really show us in English what it looks like. But in Hebrew, this was a poem. In fact, it, it uh, uses two different forms of poetry in the Hebrew. The first um, is the, I just completely forgot what you call it. Anyway, it's where you use the first acrostic. You use, you use these letters of the alphabet. And um, some of y'all are familiar with Psalm 119, and it kind of does that. It'll, it'll start off the first psalm. Uh, first few verses are Aleph, about Aleph, which is the beginning letter, like our A of the Hebrew alphabet. And it'll go on a few more verses. It'll go on to Beit, and then Gimel, and Daleth. And that's all that I remember from Hebrew class. So I can't go any further, but, you know... Uh, this kind of does a similar thing, just in a much shorter thing. So, it's a, so we know it's a poem because of the way it doesn't show up in English, but in Hebrew, it's an it's a ABCD kind of thing. And then the other thing about it is that it's a uh, Hebrew poetry 
form of it known as a chiasm. And it's basically you start off with a point and you work all the way to your big main point in the middle. And then you kind of come back and you echo what you set up here. But your biggest and greatest point that you're making is in the middle. And for us, it's in verse 23. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders. So her big point when she starts off in verse 10 talking about a noble wife and finding her and then closes in verse 30 and 31 about honoring her for all she's done. But her point is in the middle that if you find the right wife, things are going to go well talking about being seated among the elders at the city gate, that is, you are going to be, if you find the right life partner, son, it's going to bless you. As she's successful, you're going to be successful. Today we have a saying, you know, happy wife, happy life. Well, here the sentiment is excellent wife, excellent life. If you find a woman of quality, if you find a woman of value, then your life is going to be better than it ever would have been. Now, since, we, um, since we've said here the original intent, or let me say a little bit more clearly, the original audience for this passage was for young men or mothers teaching their sons of what to look for in a woman, does that mean that this is really irrelevant for the rest of us. If we're not young men or if we're not moms with sons, are, are we just to say, check out now and say, what do I really learn from this? Absolutely not. Scripture has principles which can be applied to whoever, whomever. Every part of God's word is valuable. Uh, that's what uh, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16 when he says all scripture is God-breathed or inspired and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Every bit of God's word is useful somehow. There is not one single unuseful bit. Some of, sometimes we have to work a little bit harder to understand what's useful about it. But all of scripture is useful. And we can take what we learn is sometimes things can be applied very directly, even if we were not the original audience. For, for instance, we know that the Ten Commandments were given to the ancient Israelites. Are any of us ancient Israelites? No, we're not. You know, even if some of you are say, well, I'm Jewish, but you're not an ancient Jew, okay? So none of us are part of that original intended audience, and yet we still know that thou shalt not murder is a pretty good idea. We can, we can learn from something that was originally intended for a different audience, but we have to know that sometimes as we take these ancient truths of Scripture. Sometimes we have to consider that things might be slightly different. There might be a little bit different uh, application for us because we live in a different time. For instance, Paul makes a command three different times in the Scriptures, not just once, not just twice, but three times in the book of Romans, in the book of 1 Corinthians, in the book of 2 Corinthians. And even though this command is very clear. There's nobody out there who says, oh, somebody else added that command. No, everybody agrees Paul wrote that command. There's, there's no big, huge theological thing in it. Do you know what? I've never seen any church which directly, literally follows this command. 
Listen to it. Now, that, that sounds like we're all liberals, and we, we all need to get on board and follow this command exactly like it was originally written, right? There should be some people up in arms. Here's the command. Greet one another with a holy kiss. What about that? Do you know that I've never been to a single church, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, none of them practice greeting one another with a holy kiss? And you know why? Because we understand that that would not be welcome. You know, that would not be holy. It would, especially in the COVID era, it's more like a holy wave, right? Okay. But, but what we've done pretty naturally is we've taken what Paul said as he's teaching us to, to show love and kindness to others. And we've translated from the ancient time to this time. And so for us, a holy kiss is a holy hug or a holy handshake a holy fist bump, you know, whatever. We, we have our ways of understanding that same principle of, of learning how to take what was said in the ancient world and take it into today's world, okay? So here's the thing about this, um, this very uh, awesome, really incredible passage. Now, first of all, the most direct application for us today is going to be the one that is closest to the original audience and the original intent. So guess what? Young guys who aren't married, you should be looking at Proverbs 31. You may have heard all your life that this is a woman's passage. This is something that moms or wives or women should be looking at. Actually, this is a passage that is for young unmarried men. Teenage guys, young guys, anybody who's not married but thinks they may get married. This is a great passage for you as as you look and as you learn and think about what would God have for me in a future spouse. Okay. now, again, I brought up that that example about the holy kiss thing, because, you know, if you go out and you say, well, I'm finding a woman, but she better make coverings for the bed and be clothed in linen and purple. You know, that's 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 not exactly you do have to do a little bit of translating. But if you read the go through and again, a good study Bible will help you understand the original intent and what they were doing in this ancient world. You're going to get the thing that, hey, an excellent woman is one who's industrious. She's one who has, uh, builds up trust. You know, the, one of the things, one of the things that, that really translates directly, and we don't need to, to have a lot of explanation, is verse 11. Her husband has full confidence in her. So, guys, if you're looking for a bride, one of the things you need to look for is someone that you can absolutely trust. All right, and, and we're not going to go through every single one of these, but I'm just saying, Here's a direct thing for young guys. Look at this and see the biblical wisdom that King Lemuel's mama gave him of, son, here's what you need to look for. And, and here's the interesting thing. Even though this was given from a king's mother, you know, she gave kind of more uh, ordinary folk type type thing. She didn't say command, you know, from the castle and do that. She talked about just working and living and loving and being trusting. So that's the most direct application. Now then, really close there is the application for parents. Moms and dads who have a son. Have you ever talked to your son about son- What are you looking for one day? What do you want to see? What do you want to have on your radar? And you might sit down and and you might have them 
Well, let's, let's talk about verse 30, son. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. What do you think that's about? What do you think? Why is that important? Because if you got a few years on you, you know why that's important. You understand that, that more than a pretty face is required. Now, how else do we apply this? We can certainly apply it in general, the idea of some traits of excellent women. So is it appropriate in your mom's funeral if you had a part of this read? Absolutely. Because if you believe she was that Proverbs 31 type of gal and she lived that type of life that her family praised her and other people respected her, that's awesome. That's, that's another uh, way to apply. But I'll tell you, taking this and not just with your sons, but also with your daughters and granddaughters, letting them go through and say, now, now this was from a mama to her son, but what if it was from a mama or a dad? To her daughter. Let's think through this. Let's use a little bit of sanctified imagination. Let, let's let's kind of work out the details here. What do you think that they would have proposed for a young lady to look for in a husband? And you can take this scripture and the same type of principle. I'm pretty sure that a hardworking man is pretty important, just like a hardworking woman is. I'm pretty sure that being able to trust your husband is just as important as a husband being able to trust the wife. And there may be some things that change just a little bit, but you tease this out, you work through it, you talk through it, and you help your children and grandchildren understand, God didn't say just go out there and get hitched with the first person that looks good and tells you they're a Christian. But there is actually some character qualities that you ought to be looking for because you are created as a person of worth and value and you are worth it finding that person, that special person that's special for you. We look at this and again, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, there's a reason that over time the church has had creeds and confessions and, and, and they've changed. They didn't just have one at the beginning and then, no, we've, we have this at the beginning and this doesn't change. But our understanding of scripture will often change over time. Throughout church history, theologians have kind of Better, they feel like better understood scripture, and so maybe they wrote a new creed or confession. And you and I, as believers, if we're looking for wisdom from God, we've got to be able to come to God's word fresh and new. So, even beyond talking about young men and young women and, and who they might marry one day, an even bigger issue is how do you approach scripture? Maybe you've heard it taught one way your whole life, or you've just kind of assumed, you've kind of taken for granted certain words, you've read that language, but you've never thought much about it. And, and you need to come sometimes to scripture and say, God, open my eyes, open my heart. Let me see what's really going on here. Because sometimes we can just get in these ruts until we kind of wake up and we're like, wow, there's more there than I ever realized. See, it's very fitting that uh, Proverbs 31 
is the, this is the last chapter. It is the end for the book of Proverbs. And here's why. We all know Proverbs is all about wisdom, right? Now, there's going to be stuff in there about hard work, and there's going to be stuff on how to handle your money, okay? And those things are real important, but primarily, wisdom in the Old Testament times in the book of Proverbs is primarily about how we handle our relationships. So in the book of Proverbs, the one, number one thing that's stressed over and over and over is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the very first relationship in your life you need to get right is with God. I got it right. I reverence, I honor, I respect God. He's my Lord. He's my master. He's my boss. The second thing is in this book, by the way, the, not just this little passage, but kind of the, the whole book of Proverbs is kind of towards young people and young men. If you notice how many, how many times in the book of Proverbs, as you've read it, it said, my son, listen to this, and, and don't forsake your mother's teaching and your father's words and all these things. The second big relational thing Proverbs puts out there is honor your mother and father. Learn from their wisdom. Learn from their successes. Learn from their failures. But honor your mother and father and learn wisdom from them. So first, God. Second, the parents and those parental type, those mentors, those folks in your life who've lived a little bit more than you have and they've, they've done well or maybe they haven't done so well, but they've learned from where they didn't do well. Learn from them. Honor them. And then the third level is how you deal with all these other relationships. And so Proverbs warns, warns about getting in with the wrong crowd, talks about how you can be corrupted. Good character can be corrupted by hanging out with the wrong type of people. It talks about the bad type of relationships with the opposite gender that you don't want to get in and get caught in those things. But it kind of closes here. This is putting the capstone on it is like, have, have the right relationship with God, have the right relationship uh, with parents and mentors and those type of folks, and then have the right relationship with others. Capping it off, the final cherry on top is having the right person that you partner your life with. That is an act of wisdom. And if you follow the ways of wisdom, the book of Proverbs says, your life can be blessed. Your life will be blessed. Do any of us do any of this stuff perfectly? No, not at all. That's why I was really sad when I was thinking about that occasionally Proverbs 31 is a negative thing for certain women because they feel either other people or even themselves they beat themselves up because I didn't live up to that, all these descriptions perfectly. Well, first of all, some of the descriptions don't even make sense anymore 2,500 years later. Uh, but the, the other thing is, in Scripture, we're given pictures of what we're to strive for and what we're, what we're to work for. Remember we said this is a poem? It is an ideal in fact, the mom started being like, this wife of noble character, who can find her? She's like, this is kind of the elusive thing. This is, this is the greatest woman of all time, and I'm going to paint the picture of her. And, and none of us, ladies, none of you will perfectly match up in every way, but that's okay. It's just like when every year when we, when we go to announce 
hey, we're going to be selecting new elders this year. And we talk and we bring out the qualifications of elders in Scripture. In other churches, we don't have deacons as well, but other churches have deacons. Some have elders and deacons. And in every church I've ever served at, when we've looked at folks that other folks that the church has prayed about and said, yeah, they would make a great elder or they'd make a great deacon. You know what happens so many times that this person will say, I just don't feel like I live up to that. And the idea is, well, none of us do. There'd be no preachers, there'd be no elders, there'd be no deacons, there'd be no, nobody but Jesus is perfect. But it's good to have a roadmap. It's good to have a guide that tells us, here's what we're shooting for. And scripture gives us so many of these. So, Proverbs 31. It was the queen mother, that is the king's that, that king's mom, it was her guide to brides. That was, it was her guide to telling her son, here's the kind of woman you want to find. That you and I can take that and we can learn so much about the kind of people that we should be and the kind of people that we should guide our children and grandchildren toward living their lives with as they look to marry one day. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Lord, it's amazing. It is so relevant to us, whether it, parts of it were written 2,000 or even 3,000 years ago, and yet the principles help us still today. We still struggle if we're in relationships where we can't trust folks, and yet we know that we are so blessed, those of us who are in places where we are secure and we can trust and there, there are things that take us a little bit of extra work sometimes to dig into and to, to find out how we apply them today. But God, your word is useful. Your word is profitable. Every single bit of it, you tell us that. And I pray that we would always have this attitude and this desire that we keep on searching, that we hunger for your truth, for your principles, for your path to life, so that those of us who've accepted your son Jesus and call him Lord, that we'll know how to live out that lordship, that life that's pleasing to you. God, help us to be committed to that, not only for ourselves, but for teaching the generations that come after us and for helping others to see, here's how scripture comes alive. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.